Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy Is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, entertainment reporter by day, sweat pant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. On today's episode, we have got a three-time certified life coach and motivational speaker who's passionate about helping people tap into their hidden confidence, a subject that I think we can definitely all relate to. And this topic of confidence is very near and dear to her heart. When she was younger, she was bullied, then became the bully, and then changed her mentality and ultimately eliminated bullying in her high school. She's also the founder of The Confidence Talk, which has allowed her to work with some of the top companies in the world. I'm talking RBC Royal Bank, LinkedIn, Soho House, just to name a few. Oh, and did I mention she's lost over 300 pounds? She also happens to be one of the most positive people I have ever met. So get tucked in because this week's episode of the Healthiest Hot Podcast welcomes Coach Carrie. One last idiot check. I always do a thousand idiot checks because I really... What does that mean? Well, I just want to make sure that I can actually hear the sound. Okay. So, like, it's 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 rolling. You can see the audio coming in, but I always put my headphones on just for a hot second to make sure I can actually get hear it. Cool. Because my nightmare would be... <laughs> Record it and it's not happening. Yeah, 100%. That would be, that would I feel like nightmare. such an asshole. All right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right? All right, all right. Um, this is probably my favorite podcast experience so far because I have a full tummy. <laughs> like, it just rolled into your house and you were cooking up a storm. We're talking chicken, beets, was a butternut squash. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It smelled like a proper restaurant in here. I'm a master chef, essentially. Coach Carrie is much more than just a coach, everybody. <laughs> I'm so thrilled that you're on the podcast, Rhea. I'm so happy to be here, and I just appreciate you. Do you remember when we met? Yes, I absolutely do, and it was so amazing. Like, I, this random invite to speak on a panel at Monday Girl rolled into my inbox. I almost didn't go because I was so nervous. Oh, my God. Because I'm used to moderating things. I'm not used to being on a That's panel. True. That's true. Like, you're no longer in the control seat right. when you're... A panelist, yeah, and no longer the moderator, right. yeah. and you were the moderator, yeah. And I remember I wasn't even lucky enough to sit right next to you. Sad. But you were, I don't know. I just felt your vibe instantly, and yeah. I was like, I need to know this woman. I felt the same way, and I think that was like a nervous scenario for everyone because there was just so many moving parts, and it was hectic, and everyone got there at different times, so none of us got to like connect and meet before the actual panel. And I remember you guys were all sitting on the stage and we were about to go on. And I literally just had a moment of being like, I absolutely can't talk to them unless I meet them first. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, we need to wait five minutes. And I went around and introduced myself to each and every one of you. And we like had a moment. And then it just felt like we were 
more connected and then we could go into the panel without being complete strangers. We And we didn't, by the time that panel was done, didn't feel like strangers. Not at all. And then I can't, I think we tried to link up a couple times afterwards but life got busy and then I randomly asked you to go for coffee on Queen's Key which was nowhere yeah. near where yeah. you were. You're like I'm working out at here I might die but can we call the after and I was like I'm in. <laughs> and you came and I was a hot hot fucking mess. Like I just worked out was not doing so hot within like 10 minutes and this is the second time we see each other. I'm bawling my eyes out. Yeah. yeah. You know what to be fair with all the love and respect, that ha- happens to me a lot. Because I just feel like I naturally am able to provide like a safe space for people. So even people I've just met randomly or five seconds or out and about, like they tell me their life story. And I, they just know it's a judge-free zone, it's a safe zone, and I'm like there for them. It's weird, but like I think that's my energy. Have you always been like this? Yeah. Literally. So would you consider yourself an empath? Like you're very in tune with other people, but do you absorb their energy? No. Are you able to keep that separate? I'm very, very good at being able to get into the box that they're in, but not stay there. So I can hop in to feel what they're feeling and then hop out and make sure I'm good and refuel my energy. And I think the best way I've been able to do that is by creating my toolbox. And that's something I talk a lot in my confidence talk, but like I have my tools. So if ever I feel like I'm off or there's a lot of energy or self-care, boom, I know exactly what to do that works going to work, which usually is listening to my favorite songs and repeat. And then naturally I start dancing and singing around my room. Like the amount of times I've texted my best friends and they'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like dancing around my room. <laughs> it's just like a normal thing. Or the gym or going swimming or spending time with people like you who I feel like when I'm with them, my energy is refueled because it's just good vibes and we're laughing and it's effortless. Yeah. So or I'll call some of my best friends like Jane or Charlie which I'm sure people have seen in my Instagram Charlie I go to the gym with all the time like the moment I see them I start laughing yeah and laughter is literally the easiest way to refuel your energy wow and you gotta course, have those tools in your toolbox gotta have so them listen toolbox. to some good tunes what are you yeah. listening to what's your go-to track um right now I'm listening to Summer Walker I've got a couple of her songs on repeat um, I'm really into R&B vibes, but now that it's coming into summer, yeah. I need some house and soca. Yeah. And the moment you play soca, you're just like, ah, you can't help dancing. but move. <laughs> you can't help The first move. time Tyrone, my co-host, he talked, introduced me to yeah, soca. We were filming on the road, and he he tried to teach me how to whine. I really. I did my that best. Did that. It was not that great. <laughs> But I couldn't, I think we were listening to Ultimate Rejects, and I was like, this music is such happy music. It's such happy music, literally. Um, And then there's some more technical things that you could do, like gratitude. We all have heard about it. We all know about it. But how often do you actually implement it in your life consistently? Usually it's like, oh, it's Thanksgiving, or oh, someone was really great to me, so you know what, I should maybe write them a card every Mm -hmm. so often. But Mm -hmm. it's like, what about practicing gratitude every day? And so even for myself, I start my day with gratitude because I cannot start my day without a hot shower. Like, hard no. Like, I cannot, I'm not that person that can roll out of bed and go somewhere. Like, if I don't have that 10-minute <laughs> boiling hot shower, nothing's happening. But then I recognize that in some places around the world, yeah. access to water is not available. And so, boom, I start my day in that mindset. And then I add a little selflessness, like doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. And self-love and self-care. Yeah. Yeah, it was like my, my top few tools, yeah. Self-love and self-care is tough AF. Absolutely. I sometimes think self-care is easier than self-love. Actually, no, scratch that. Like, I, that's so much easier for me to do self-care. Mm-hmm. Self-care, to me, I, when I think about it, are actionable items. Absolutely. Self-care is 
say no to an event because I my energy is running low. <laughs> yeah. My go to the gym is my self care. Yeah. You know, indulge in a face mask. Yeah. Like just, but self love is so much harder. So much harder. It's so much harder. But ideally, they can be. They can coexist and yeah. go hand in hand, right? If you're doing the face mask great then you know give right recite some affirmations to yourself as you're sitting there letting it set like i am something that you want to be and are living and wanting to be so for me sometimes it's like i am the top coach under 35 yes yes like that's like that's not it's not even effort that's just facts (laughs) it's just straight facts working on it but still there's these things that you there's a way for you to incorporate self-love while doing self-care okay and i think the hard part for a lot of people is that they don't they haven't recognized what their self-care practice is so for like for me even just having a like solo night yeah i as a giver and someone who's constantly giving energy and there for people i know that i need to refuel my energy and i need to be away from people i need to be in my room with a podcast a book a good show or just even sit there with my thoughts yeah and for me that works really well because i know that it works well i've taken the time to figure it out so a lot of people haven't figured it out so you're just like i'm doing self-care and it's something that doesn't work for them <laughs> you're like i'm doing self-care but i don't feel great right They're like i take all the self-care things but it's actually not working because you haven't actually taken the time to figure out what works so you just keep trying this one thing over yeah. and over again and it doesn't work so would you consider yourself an extrovert yeah but yet quiet time is important. I think sometimes people feel the need to like always be everywhere, always be giving, always be like with a thousand people, always be doing their five million hustles. But sometimes you just gotta be by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think I used to feel a bit of that pressure as well, but the more that you have self check-ins and self reflect, the more you're able to like own and stand tall in the decisions you make for yourself. And you also realize the people around you if they don't embrace that, then those people may not be the people who need to be around you that much. How hard is it to let people go? I struggle with that. Like people who, what did someone tell me once? They're like, people are in your life for a season, for a reason, reason or, or for lesson, life. Or, or yeah, a lesson. Lesson or a blessing. But it's hard, even when you come to terms with the fact that maybe. I feel like we talked about this when we, that day when we met you. Yeah, because I was fucking broken. <laughs> I was so broken when you met me. So I was struggling with the letting go. Mm-hmm. I remember because there was so much love still there, but it mm-hmm. just wasn't right anymore. Yeah, <sighs> and that's tough. And you, as a life coach, top life coach under thirty-five, <laughs> you probably deal with a lot. But that is to me was that was the hardest thing I've had to go mm-hmm. through on a relationship level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think letting go in any relationship, whether that be friendship, business, or romantic, can be hard if you're someone who has like a big heart, so to speak. Because I have so much love to give, and I've often given love to people who didn't even give me love. And so letting go is even harder because I'm like, but I see that this could be you. I see, sometimes I see them in a way that they've never seen themselves. And it's really hard to be like, I can't, I can't hurt myself to wait for you to show up. And so even with my friends, like as I grow, there's some people who I just have not close with as much anymore. Yeah. And as much as that hurts and I, it pains me and I want to have them in my life, but I'm like, how is it serving me? There's some people who've been like, well, you're the busy one, so you make plans with me. And I'm like, how oh, does that I make ha- sense? Rhea, Rhea, if I get more text, I'm done. guilt-ridden text. I'm done. I, I can't. I can't. And I'm like, 
how is that your mindset? Because if I'm the busy one, just because I'm busy, then you should be even more willing to reach out because you know that I'm so busy. And I'm not saying that you need to. I'm saying 50-50. If you never reach out to me and you're going to leave it all in my hands because I'm the busy one, then that shows me how much you actually care. Because all my other friends harass me every day. And I love that. Get (laughs) you friends that are going to harass you every day. Literally, Charlie responded to my story being like, do you even miss me? (laughs) Charlie, we love you. Charlie, we love you, right? Charlie, I'm going to have you next. And we're going to talk about how much or how little love Raya gives you, okay? And then she can listen. So good. And I was like, yeah, babe, I'm here. As soon as I come back, I want to spend a night with you. Let's yeah. hold hands and go to the gym. He's like, fine. <laughs> you know? But I'm like, that's I love yeah. that. Because it shows me that even though you know I'm busy, you still are willing to make the effort. Or my other friend, Jane, she's like, I'm sick of being pen pals. We haven't seen each other in five days. Like, so dramatic and amazing. <laughs> Right. Oh so those are the friends that end yeah. up getting more of me. Yeah. And yeah. no matter what, the friends who show up for me, they're top priority. And no matter what, I will make sure I call them, text them, and make time for them. Which is so just that simple. And you are so busy, but you're busy doing. You're busy living your dreams and making your dreams a reality. Yeah. Life literally. coach, public speaking coach. You know, you lead confidence talk. You're a consultant. You work with We, an organization I really love. Plus a million other things. Yeah. Like, that's a lot on one person's plate. And yet, when I say all these things, I would be having a panic attack. You <laughs> sit there smiling with such a look of pride. How did you get here? Because you weren't always doing this. Back in the day, you probably knew Rhea, probably outside a club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh boy. <laughs> so. I was doing parties and events for about 10 years and I started in university and I remember it being so awesome Yeah. because I moved to Montreal, my my 18th birthday is the first day of school. Oh gosh, the best. Right? So I'm like, okay, see ya. My older sister was at McGill as well and she was the um, head of Frosh. Also, side note, I'm also a McGill kid. Their Frosh is lit. It's so lit. And it was the only wet Frosh, so it was the only Frosh that you could drink. So we oh, had yeah. open bar everything. Everywhere, all the other, all my other friends at Western and Dom like lame. You had to smuggle in booze, <laughs> right? Um, and, and she was she was ahead of Frosh. So like I got VIP everything. So me and all my friends were just like that showed me the taste of like whoa. And I met all the owners, and I was just yeah. like okay. And then because I had had gone to so many different schools, I had friends from so many different areas. Even when I got to Montreal. And I just naturally bring people together. That's my thing. Even my MSN name used to be bringing people together since 86. <laughs> For real. The get Me and Get Real are putting going to put that on a shirt. Yeah. And everyone can choose their year. And I remember just being like, all the older promoters would be like, hey, like, why don't you work for us? And I was like, hmm. And then I was like, you know what? If they're all asking me to work for them, I was like, I can just do this myself. I had a very entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. Always. Like, I never wanted to work for somebody else. I always wanted to make my own dreams come true. And I've, to this day, always been an entrepreneur. And I was like, you know, I'm just trying myself. Through my first party for Halloween. And I remember after splitting it four ways, and we were just guerrilla marketing. Like, we were at the McGill Gates. So anyone who, who's been in Montreal knows McGill. Right at Milton University. Yeah. Where everyone walks in and out of class. We had megaphones. We were handing out candy. We were high-fiving, handing out flyers. Like, just obnoxious everyone knew about our Halloween party and we did it on the Thursday because most of the other big parties like water can and all those of anyone knows back in the day were on the Friday Saturday so we did it on the Thursday and 
I remember leaving there after splitting it four ways and making like $1,300 Oh my gosh. And which remember- as a first year university student, which, side note, today, if you walked out of something with $1,300 cash, you'd be like, after laughing. splitting it four ways, right? Wow. Like, yeah. So I was, I remember skipping home and just being like, I will do this for the rest of my life. Goodbye. <laughs> and so I did for the next 10 years, 17 to 27. And I think what was cool for me that I reflect on now is that I'd never had a team. So I, it was all me. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a lot of promoters. I didn't have anything like that. It was literally just me building relationships and my integrity. And so in that industry, I kind of got the reputation of like the white knight, so to speak, because I was a woman of my word and not doing drugs, not at the after parties and not screwing people over. And in that industry, that's kind of rare, unfortunately. And so by 25, I started to feel really unfulfilled. Yeah. Like okay, this has been good, but I need a challenge. I need something more. I need to feel fulfilled. And I stopped drinking for a year um, and helped me lose a lot of weight. I used to be 600 pounds and I lost over 300. So drinking was like... Every time you say that, and I know that, I knew that, but every time you say that, like 600... I know. I know. That is a huge transformation. I even sometimes I'm like, what? That's a huge transformation. Right? I lost a couple people, like literally. Sometimes I'm like... I don't even know who that person was. But what's crazy is that I was equally as confident then as I am now. Because I just had that self-love yeah. on the inside. And so I walked into a room and said, Hi, I'm Ray, nice to meet you, rather than my head down. Yeah. And then as I started to, you know, search for other things, and I was like, okay, I majored in psychology, what else can I do? And then I heard about coaching. And I was like, wait a second, this sounds like right up my alley. I can help people without having to prescribe the medication or having to be in a room with me a big desk and me sitting across from it and not yeah. talking to them it felt really stuffy and black and white to me whereas though I feel like I thrive in the gray area so that was five years ago and now I have three diplomas in coaching and now I work with some of the biggest companies in the world like RBC Royal Bank Soho House I've worked out for LinkedIn we and so many other things going on that I'm just so grateful that yeah. this journey and me being me has helped me get there by staying true to my values. I didn't know about life coaching up until you were probably the first life coach I ever oh met. Oh my God, I love that. And, and I also come from a psychology background. So when I think of helping people back then, I think psychiatrists, psychologists, and then it kind of ends there. Yeah, And then absolutely. life coaching is this whole different approach whole to helping approach. people be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. It literally is so impactful. And of course, I love all the other industries mm-hmm. as well. And I think... I think there's a, there's a time and a place for all of them. Absolutely. Some people... Absolutely. I look, I'm a therapy kid. I've done it. I've grown from it. Yeah. I've gotten a lot out of it. Yeah. I have family members who see psychiatrists. No shade there either. There's yeah. a time and place. No but shade life ever. coaching is just, it's another form of helping people. Absolutely. The best way, because people often ask me, what's the difference between yeah. co- you know psychiatry and therapy? And I like to say that therapy is very much about healing. Mm-hmm. And, we, and you heal and that is more of the focus, which is great because sometimes if you haven't healed from something that happened years ago or something that's happening in your life, oh, you need to heal before you can move forward. Yeah. So you need to walk before you can run. So therapy is incredible. And psychiatry, I feel like, is very um, cognitive. 
So what are the patterns? Why is the brain working the way it is? Which is also really great. And then coaching kind of bridges the gap in the middle about moving you from functional to optimal. How can I move you forward? What's happening now and how to take action to move forward? So I've had a lot of clients come to me after they've done their therapy. They said, okay, now I've healed. Yeah. Now I want to take action. And so coaching is really all about me asking questions. I don't, coaches aren't allowed to give advice. And there's a lot of people out there who say they're coaches and they might not be. And I have love for everyone who's putting in good work. But a true coach and what makes someone a life coach is really truly asking questions and not giving advice. Because what my, my personal life really has nothing to, to, to do with me helping you. Of course, I've had my own life experience yeah. that can always play a role. But it's all about asking questions. You don't give advice. No. So people can't come to you looking for answers. You're almost the catalyst to mm-hmm. helping them find their own answers. Absolutely, which is that much more powerful, right? Yeah. If you tell a kid, hey, don't do this, they might not care. But yeah. if, they figure, if they say to themselves, you know what, I don't want to do that, way more powerful. I love you describe it as coaching is a life experience of self-discovery. Yeah, even for myself, right? I'm constantly growing and learning as well, and there's nothing that I can ask my clients to do that I haven't done myself. So all of the inner work and the tough stuff and shining a light on the darkness that I really didn't want to, I had to do <laughs> to be able to stay objective, to not be able to, like, there's there's times where my clients are touching on things that impact me mm-hmm. and can make me cry. But in that moment, it is not about me. I have to stay fully present and there for them and put my stuff on the back burner, which is really important. So I would say the best example of how asking questions is so powerful in the coaching process is, let's say someone came to me and they said, I really want to make a change in my career. I'd be like, okay, great. Tell me a little bit more about that. And they would say, yeah, well, I just feel like I've been here for a while and I want to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So what's one step that you have taken towards that lately? And they're probably going to look at me and stare and I'd be like, uh, nothing. Okay, no problem. What's one thing you could do tomorrow? And then they're going to sit there for a minute and they're going to say, well, I guess I could email my hiring manager. Boom. Amazing. Write that down. So simple. So simple, but you probably... You need someone to help you get there. Right? You need someone to help you get there. Yeah. So I'm just kind of holding the space and yeah. reframing things because at the end of the day, they have all the answers they need for themselves. Yeah. And I'm just there to help guide them. Of course, if there's a moment where they're like, hey, specifically, I want your advice on this, I'm happy to do that. But that is not my focus as a coach. I obviously did a pretty deep dive on you. <laughs> and I tore your website apart. And there's something on there that stuck with me and I wanted to ask you about why you wanted to show it and why you wanted to showcase it and bring it to light. Mm-hmm. So there's a section where you talk about millennials and people love throwing shade at millennials, mm-hmm. but there's a big generation. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some stats. 64% experience bullying at school. Mm-hmm. 49% are harassed if they identify as trans. Mm-hmm. And 80% don't receive necessary mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful. Powerful. Those are powerful topics, powerful. powerful statistics, and statistics that, frankly, need to change and go in the right direction. Absolutely. Why did you want to bring yeah, um, this to light? I mean... Great question. I, I, I saw it. Yeah. It hit me. I started thinking about it. Yeah. Great question. You know, I think that because I'm also predominantly in the corporate space and or in schools and businesses, I've realized that what I'm doing is not tangible. So I can't be like, hey, book me. And I'm for sure by the time you're, I'm done this workshop, everybody's going to feel this way. Yeah. It's impossible. And I couldn't say that. It wouldn't be genuine. So I decided that, you know what, let me show them what the statistics are out there because you can't argue with facts. And if I show them that, then they could say, this is how I'm able to help you combat this 
within your own company. And I've noticed also that when you're dealing with people who have a logic mindset, yeah. so very, so a lot of people in the corporate space are very logic oriented, which is great and it's helped them be successful. You have to talk to them in a logic way. So if I'm talking to someone who's a logic mind, I can't be like, you're going to feel the spirituality of everything I do. <laughs> the like, universe what? has yeah. your back. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be like, cool, I'm not booking you. But if I go, listen, here are the cold hard facts and statistics and yeah. what I'm going to do can help combat that. They're going to be like, oh, okay. You're speaking my language. Yeah. And so I find that you have to be able to meet everyone where they're at. Yeah. And one of my, a good quote that I heard is, you have to be able to eat at everybody's table. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, it made me think. You have as well. to be able to eat at everybody's table. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, especially as a life coach. Yes, absolutely. I have to be able to eat at everybody's table. I am no better than anyone else. I'm equally going through stuff. I'm equally growing and challenging myself. And I'm no better than anyone else. The only difference is that I have my tools. Yeah. Ready to rock and roll anytime I'm having a day or a moment or anything like that. If you are having a day, you are mm-hmm. having a moment, play the music. Dance yep. it out. Dance it out. Call a friend. All the time. Show gratitude. 100%. Self-love, self-care. Boom. And then eventually you'll, you're going to start to feel a lot better. It's so simple when you break it down. Right. But we all have those tools. We just have to remind ourselves we're rare in that toolbox right. at all times. That's what I'm saying. And so when I do these workshops, I'm like, I know that you have yeah. those tools. You just haven't realized that they're part of your toolbox and to implement them consistently. So often I'll go around the room and I'll go, okay, well, what's something that brings you joy? Or a hobby that you haven't yeah. done in a long time. And someone will raise their hand and go, I love to draw. Amazing. When's the last time you drew? And they'll be like, years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, next time you're having a bad or yeah. sad day, draw. And I promise you, you are going to start to feel better. It's so simple. So simple when you break it down. I'm all about bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Bite-sized, right? I, I love... It's a good thing we ate because I'm hungry. We're talking about eating right. a table. That's why I have snacks here for you. Actually, yeah. There's dark chocolate and two clementines. And they kind of look like eyeballs, which makes me so happy. Um, if anyone that meets you will feel your energy and your confidence. It's not cockiness. It's confidence. Thank like you. you. That means a lot. It's, there's two very different things. It's there is. Yeah. Sometimes people fall in one category. And because of who you are and what you do... And I think it just stems from you naturally. You created the confidence talk. Right. And you manifested that. Absolutely. And you worked your ass off you got to be it. able to do what you did recently, really which was did. a West Coast tour, which yep. is probably going to be the beginning of many more. You, Yeah, let's manifest that. We're manifesting it right now. <laughs> yeah, we are. West Coast. We're going to do an Asia oh, tour. Worldwide. Yeah. South America. <laughs> Coach Carey, worldwide, worldwide, worldwide. <laughs> oh my God, all I just pictured was Step Brothers. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> This is why we're friends. <laughs> I was like, this joke is going to be a hit or a miss, and I'm so happy oh, it was a hit. Oh, I can't. Step Brothers is... So much more room for activities. My favorite Side movie. note, I get to interview a lot of, of actors, and yeah. I recently got to interview John C. Riley and Will Ferrell paired. No. And can I tell you... How much did you laugh? I, I died. I literally died. <laughs> I walked in there, and we started making... I like took a risk, yeah. and I made a Step Brothers joke. Which right one? off the top, I think it was like, "Did you touch my drumstick?" or something like that. Uh, oh my god, no! We started talking about the, the, the samurai sword. Mm-hmm. Talking, and I was like, "Oh, I wish I brought my samurai sword." And he, John Cirello looks at me. He's like, "Did we just become best friends?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." Oh my god, we did. I'm not often jealous, but I'm not gonna lie. Will Ferrell is like one of my like celebrity like I need to meet. Highlight of my because old like all of his like first year university was old when school. Anchorman. Elf, old school Anchorman. You Elf. got it. 
I played those movies literally in first university. We watched that movie like on repeat. If I go up an escalator, yeah, I will think of Elf. Yeah. If I see candy corn, (laughs) you better believe maple syrup. If I see pasta and I know there's maple syrup, I think about putting maple syrup on my pasta. We're we're streaking through the gym and up the quad. (laughs) It's just so fucking funny. Like, I might have to watch that movie this week. And old school still just oh. cuts to the core of me. Old school it happens to me actually during, we're a real segue right now. But yeah. when I do big <laughs> interviews or something that I'm a little bit nervous for, like the MMBA red carpet's an example, I black out. Like, I fully black out in the moment. And yeah. I always think of him when he's, like, debating. Yeah. And he's, like, so eloquent, so intelligent. And he just, like, shakes his head. He's, like, what just happened? I'm like, oh. I'm like that's me. That's me all the time. I feel like that's me sometimes, too. Just Your brain like, just takes over. Whoo. It's kind of like runner's high. Yeah. Have you heard people say that? It's like the first five minutes of running sucks and everything yeah. hurts, and all of a sudden your body just like is like, oh yeah, yeah. we know how to do this. It's more like you the relax. first five k suck, and then right. if you can make it past five, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, why yeah. not a lot of people get there. Right? And I'm like, ah, I'm good. So yeah, I would do anything. Just saying, Will Ferrell, let's manifest this. I love you. Yo, <laughs> he's so funny. That'd be good. So funny. So that's one of my tools. Laughter. Yeah. Done. I mean, I feel great. Same. But I want to hear more about confidence talk because I like to think that I keep up to date with you, but I've been having a very hard time keeping up with you because you are in New York, you're on the West Coast, you're going to Saskatoon. But the West Coast, I love that. I I was reading and you were saying how you manifested that. Like you manifested taking confidence talk on the road. I really did. What does it consist of? Oh, man. So the confidence talk really was when I was thinking about becoming a public speaker, I kept thinking like, I'll talk about this huge topic. I'll talk about that huge topic and everyone's gonna wanna come see me. And then I was like, wait a second. And I was like, I need to break it down. I was like, I don't have, it was too stressful to try to be like, I'll talk about something that is not my specialty or my expertise. And so then I was like, you know what? Let me get back to the drawing board. And I really thought to myself, what is it that people come to me for? What is it about me that attracts these clients? And what I realized was that the underlining common denominator was that every single person who came to me was looking to have the same confidence that I've been able to create for myself. Even though at first it'd be like career or love or this, once I boil it all down, it still stemmed from confidence. If you want to make a change in your career, it's easier when you're feeling confident. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a change in your love life, easier when you're more confident. Like everything can, I feel like it can be the backbone of everything we do. And so when the moment I had that like aha moment, changed everything so I was like you know what I'll do all those other topics later I need my bread and butter the first one that is all about me and what people will kind of come to me for to be the first one and then as I create that then I can create tons of more talks yeah but I think that's important the first place to start so the confidence talk is really all about the story that I told you just now about being bullied and overcoming it um or maybe I didn't go into that no I'm like what okay (laughs) who would dare bully you Right. I'm not okay. a violent person, but okay. I will. Okay, so maybe I should back it up a little bit and tell you that. Okay. My heart hurts. My heart hurt. Past tense. Okay. So, okay, so I created the confidence talk, and which, which I tell everyone a little bit about my story, yeah. my triumphs and tribulations, and then the top 10 ways to achieve and maintain their own confidence based off of my own experience, countless hours of research, and thousands of hours of coaching. Yeah. 
because I kept seeing the same things coming up for people. So I kind of put this together. So when people leave, they're like, cool, here's 10 tools that can be in your toolbox or take one that resonates with you and make your own. That's the goal. Because what works for me may not work for you Mm -hmm. and what works for that person may not work for that person. It's all about what works best for you. So taking it back a little further, um, in school I was bullied a lot and like I cried every day, I hated school. I never wanted to be there. We're talking like high school, elementary? Talking like, um, like grade school. So I'm thinking like grade two. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can and remember. you remember it. I remember everything. It's really creepy. Like when I have my sessions with my clients, I don't take notes till after. I remember everything. It's creepy. But people are like, okay, it's creepy. <laughs> but I love it. It's yeah. an act, something yeah. I actively work on. Yeah. And so I changed schools. Actually, no, I had a good time at school when I was with the friends that I grew up with. But then when I went to summer school and grade three, I was kind of bullied and, and it was just really bad. So I thought, you know, let me redefine myself. And I went to, when I changed schools in grade three. So summer grade two is like summer school. That was really bad. And then grade three, I went to a new school. And I was like, okay, well, let me be the bully. Let me hurt them before they hurt me. Which was like, I feel like a natural mentality for anyone who's been bullied. And I get there, and obviously that mentality didn't serve me so well because I didn't make any friends. And as you know, I'm all about positive vibes. I love making friends. I'm all about connecting and dancing and all the things. So I was like, this sucks. So then I changed schools again in grade four. And this truly was the year that changed everything for me and literally shaped and changed the trajectory of my whole life. And first day of grade four, I'm at High Park Montessori School. Shout out to my friends who are still from that school. And I'm the only new kid, I'm the only fat kid, I'm the only black kid. And everyone had been with each other since junior kindergarten. So they're all best friends. They're sort of laughing about me, snickering about Mm -hmm. me, you know, making fun of me, pointing. And I make it through attendance and I just go to the washroom and bawl my eyes out. Like, I'm sobbing. Because I was like, can't believe this is happening to me again. And I'm thinking, should I call mom and dad? Should I leave? And I just, there's something that instinctually I knew that I could figure this out on my own. And I distinctively remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you've done this before, you'll do this again, you have friends. Because I knew that I had friends from my neighborhood and friends from soccer and basketball. So like I had friends from other places, it just was in this moment. And I don't know how I came up with it, I truly don't, I can't pinpoint it. But I go back to the classroom and I walk around the room and I introduce myself to every single kid and learn their name and something about them. At the time, I didn't really know what I was onto, but of course, when I reflected, I was like, I disarmed them. Yeah. I took away their preconceived notions, and that changed everything for me. So then from grade four to grade 10, I changed schools about five more times, and I took that tool with me everywhere I went. So I guess you could say I was you know, getting pretty good at making new friends. And by grade 10, I was also 600 pounds, and so that's really when I was changing schools again, and Everyone thought I was going to be bullied. Parents, my friends, and even myself a little bit. Because changing schools in the middle of high school is hard, Mm -hmm. whoever you are. And changing schools in the middle of high school when you're, like, literally obese, a little bit more difficult. But first day of grade 10, I get in there and I'm like, I got this. I got my tool. Boom. Walk around the room and introduce myself to every single kid and learn their name and something about them. Bam. Go on to become most popular kid in school, quote, quote, and prom queen. And so people were always like, how did you do that? And I'm like, the only difference between me and everybody else was that I had self-love, respect, and inclusion. So, and I was a catalyst for eliminating bullying in my high school. There was a grade nine sitting by themselves. I'd be the first to go sit with Mm -hmm. them. I was friends with the grade 12. Like, I was friends with everybody because it didn't matter. And a big thing that that I've always said, and I always say this when I do school talks, is that 
You may not like everybody in your class, but that does not mean you have to treat them poorly. There is a big difference. And and then I just took that with me everywhere I went. And I knew that like that tool I still use to this day, even at 32 now. If I walk into a room, first thing I do is introduce myself. You know those awkward moments where it's like, hey, they no one introduced you and you're just it's just kinda awkward and it's like almost like an elephant in the room. It's yeah. like you you're in the same space but you haven't engaged because no one introduced you. It's like, why wait? I'm I've sometimes they're like, Oh, sorry, I forgot to introduce you and I'm like, I already met everybody. No, <laughs> and my friend's like, Oh, of course. Never I witnessed mind. it when you came and met me again after a workout. Yeah. And I knew you and my trainer would vibe. Mm-hmm. And then next thing I knew, you guys were basically best friends. <laughs> and I was like, oh, build relationships fast. You can, yeah. <laughs> Changing schools that often. Yeah. I don't care how confident you are. That's hard. <clears throat> I changed hard. a lot, but not that much. <clears throat> Super hard. But I had my tool. Yeah. And because it had, the resiliency was built. Yeah. So I never, by, you know, by grade five, I was like, meh, done this a million times. Let's go. Let's rock this, you You're know? You're like, I'm going to memorize your name and find something cool about you. Right? And so to this day, when I do workshops, I go around the room and I ask everybody their name. And by the end, I know everyone's name off by heart. And to the point where some people are like, are you sure you didn't have our names beforehand? And I go, nope. But I actively work on making sure I remember people's names. And I'll explain a little bit more about that after. Um, and then I went to university and that's when I started the events. And then that's yeah. when I heard about coaching. So we, I told the other half of the story, but I didn't tell the beginning. And so that's what I go through in the confidence talk paired with the yeah. top 10 ways to achieve and maintain their own confidence. And so another question that I often get asked is yeah. how to network best. Yeah. And the easiest thing that I say is remember people's names. There's people who've been like, hey, I haven't seen you in five years. Do you remember my name? And I'm like, yep, boom, Jessica or Matt. And they're like, whoa, how did you do that? And what I always say to everybody is that if you attach emotion to a memory, it basically tells your brain to store it in long term. Oh, it's going to solidify in the hypothalamus, tied into the amygdala. Got it, right? Because most of the time when you meet someone, you're like, oh, irrelevant, I'll never see them again. So the name's gone. But for me, I'm like, cool. I had a good experience with this person. I had a good vibe. The moment they introduce me to their, they say their name, I repeat it back. So if I just met you and you were like, great, nice to meet you, be like, nice to meet you, Chloe. Yeah. Make sure that I say it, right? Just like for people who can't remember what they did last week, but they can remember every single detail of their wedding day or yeah. the day they met their spouse or the day they gave birth because there was an emotion yeah. attached to it. So I try to just remind people, attach any form of a positive emotion and chances are you'll have a better chance of remembering it. Emotion. Mm-hmm. Wow. What was the emotion you had when we met? Good vibes. I felt like kindred spirit. Kindred spirit's 100%. I was like, I need, I need more of this. And also, like, I really like people who are humble. Because I think with the world of social media, like, we're all doing stuff. We're all showcasing a portion mm-hmm. of our life and not necessarily the other side, which is fine. But I have no interest in being around people who think they're better than other people. Mm. Just like you need to be able to eat at everyone's table. Same as you need to be able to treat the janitor and the CEO with the same amount of respect. And I'm really big on that. So when I met you and you were just so pleasant and like, oh my God, okay, thank you so much for introducing yourself. Like I felt a little bit awkward and we had that moment. And I was like, okay, cool. And then you stayed and we chatted a bit after. And I was like, okay, that's the kind of person I like to be around because you were, you know, you were one of the stars on the <laughs> on the panel, that's right? right. Ridiculous. <laughs> Not ridiculous at all, it's fact. Like you were like the pièce de résistance. <laughs> And for you to just be like right down on earth with me, I was like, cool, this is somebody that I want to connect with. Well, and you wanted to talk about healthy is hot. 
Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, she wants to support my baby. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I, you know, I did a deep dive into everyone oh, yeah. who was on the panel. And I was like, I like what she's up to. Your healthiest hot journey is bonkers. Right? How has it been for you? I mean, you've lost so much weight, mm-hmm. such a health journey. Mm-hmm. Has it been hard to stay on that journey, to stay on track? Uh, I wish people could see me right now because I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh, God, yes. It's been hard with the travel, with my schedule, with ups and downs, being a woman, getting a period. Like, you know, once a month, I'm like, I want to eat everything. Once a month, I do eat everything. And not talk to anybody. No. And not go to the gym. Yeah. But unfortunately, with estrogen, that puts us behind like two weeks at the gym. Yeah. So it's like two weeks I'm good, two weeks I'm bad, two weeks I'm good, two weeks I'm bad. But you got a good system. You have a wicked roommate who's also a trainer. Like, yeah. you've set up your environment yeah. to support the health journey you're on. Yeah. So that Big you- shout out, Alvaro, Coach Membreno. He's killing it out there, too. And he's just, he's really passionate yeah. about what he does, and he yeah. takes his time. And I think that's why we have a good relationship, not just yeah. with living together, but in training together. Because he starts from literally the, the groundwork. Yeah. Like, all about technique. Which is important, because I see people do these fancy expensive classes with no experience mm-hmm. like you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna hurt yourself we're not 16 anymore yep and Your my, knees my and back, back was killing me so much to the point where getting out of bed was hard and doing anything was hard so he's taught me all these crazy stretches and my back hasn't hurt in like a month and not relieving myself from that pain has actually allowed me to get be excited about the yeah. gym again get back into yoga and all these things that I love. And I'm like, ugh, why did I? Because I was just going ham. Like, I yeah. was just like, in the gym, give me all the weights, crush it, you know? Because it's addictive. It is addictive, yeah. It's right? very addictive. Yes. With traveling, like, I struggle being healthy on the road, too. Um, like, how do you try to stay on top of it? I mean, I told you my trick. And yeah. you looked at me in shock when I told you <laughs> that I bring my own food on the plane. I love it. I, I bring a Tupperware. I'm gonna try that now. Not gonna lie. Just don't bring tuna. Don't bring eggs. Don't be that. Don't be don't that be person. Don't be that guy. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. You know what? I always bring my gym clothes. Yes. And even if I don't want to gym because sometimes sweating too much will mess up my perfect hair. Yeah. So I'll do yoga. Yeah. Like when I was in New York, I did yoga almost every day. You signed up for class pass, and I was like, boom, let's do this. And it's such a good vibe because it's also I'm meditating. Yes. I'm releasing. You're in a relaxed state, but then you're also strengthening your core, yeah. which at the end of the day is everything you need to be able to crush it in the gym anyways. Yeah. And I often go to like Trader Joe's and just stock up on things. So even like right now I have clementines <laughs> and dark chocolate. It's because I don't go anywhere yeah. without them. And then I'll grab a couple of those pre-made salads. Like they have a super green. Oh, I haven't had that one. Oh, so good. I always go, they have this like Mexicali salad yes, at Trader I've had Joe's that one and I'm too. obsessed with like the avocado yeah. crema And sauce. I'm like every two hours. Yeah. Some form of fuel to keep my mind and mm-hmm. my state because I get hangry. And when you're dehydrated, even if you're 2% dehydrated, your brain is functioning at a lesser percent. On that note. Cheers. Let's drink some water. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think I think living a healthy life is all about the little choices you make every day. Yeah. Totally. And you got to show up for yeah. those choices. Yeah. And I think also we have to remind ourselves that food is also fuel. Mm-hmm. And so you may not love eating your greens every day, but that's literally what your body needs to run on. So that's what I've, that's how I've trained my mind to think now. Like, yes, I want to eat all those things sometimes, but is that fuel? Is it going to help me run efficiently? I'm so busy. Yeah. Life is so hectic right now that I can't afford to be in a fog. I can't afford to not feel at my best. Yeah. And I need to be able to 
to ensure that I'm doing everything I can to feel at my best as often as possible. So if I do want to have something bad, I do the French rule. One bite. One bite just to taste it. You don't need to eat the whole thing. So if I'm like, wow. oh, I'm craving a donut, like get the donut, take one bite and either save it for my roommate because his metabolism's like out of control and he can do <laughs> anything he wants, you know, or cut it in half yeah. and give it to yeah. someone who, who's less fortunate. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yes. Well, you are incredible and I'm obsessed with the Get Real movement. I have to talk about it. Yeah, let's talk. Because it's so cozy. Yep. It's The messaging is so strong. Yep. It's just... Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I found out about the Get Real movement, I was at Pursuit OCR for a shoot with eTalk. I remember that. And I walked in, and there was this amazing, like, Pepto-Bismol oversized crew neck sweater. <laughs> and on the back, it said things like, no homophobia, no hatred. I can't remember what the other words mm-hmm. are. Yep. But I was like, I need that sweater. And I bought it on the spot, met you, found out you're involved with them. Yeah. And... I see it everywhere now, and it's yeah. such a powerful clothing yeah, line. we've been doing a lot of good work, and a lot of people, we actually have a PR company that took us on pro bono this Whoa. year, so I'm actually the director of strategic partnerships with them, and that's a non-salary position, so I literally volunteer mm-hmm. my time and help connect them with people like you, influencers, companies, and just really help create more awareness, essentially, and how could anyone not want to get involved? We're spreading the good message of inclusivity, anti-bullying, and LGBTQ plus awareness. Yeah. And also doing, you know, workshops in schools to help kids feel way more comfortable. And we often get feedback being like, wow, I now know that my uncle who's gay still loves me and it's okay. Wow. The fact that we were able to touch and change that kid's mindset or thank you, now I feel more comfortable in who I am, or now I know that everyone deserves love. Like, these are the feedback we're getting from grades, you know, 5 to 10. And even in 2019, and even in Canada, it's still something that we need to continue to work on, and I think that the work we're doing at Get Real is really important, and it's actually, like, a beautiful journey, and it's very fulfilling for me, and that's why I love that it's a volunteer position. Yeah, and I think volunteering is really important. And if you can volunteer in something that gets you excited... You shouldn't just volunteer to volunteer. You really should volunteer in something that like sets your yeah. soul on fire a bit. Yes. You're going to be giving your time pro bono when life is busy. It's got to be something that exactly excites you and motivates exactly. you and fulfills you. Exactly. And they know that I literally bring get real everywhere I go. So anytime I'm traveling, you're literally I'm wearing you're wearing the, the hat right now. Just love. I'm gonna Absolutely. have to. I'm gonna have to restock. I'm gonna have to restock. I have one for you. So getrealmovement.ca is that where? Um, yeah, or uh, the get, let's see, what the what's the Instagram again? Um, I think it's just... I'll put it all in the description. Yeah, get real we'll movement. This wow. Wow. And then, kind of in relation to that, speaking to you, I learned, I learned a new word. I like learning new words. Go on. And that is hybrid. <laughs> I'm not talking about cars, not talking about anything, but you introduced me to this term that I never knew of and I think we right. should all be aware of yeah. it yeah I mean I would love that I feel like it's a almost a better term I could be biased but yeah in grade five or you know roughly around that time when I was really trying to figure out who I am because obviously in grade four if I'm consciously aware enough to recognize that I need to break down people's preconceived notions my yeah. mom always said I was really con- always consciously aware so I was just already like very ahead of the time in terms of how I felt about self-expression and all that and I remember just sitting down with my parents I don't know who I was in grade <laughs> five, but I was like listen I am a hybrid 
And they were like, okay, what does that mean? And I was like, well, it means that I want to dress myself because for the most part I was dressing feminine. Um, and I was like, and I want to be able to get my own clothes and dress like the boys. I don't want to do ballet anymore. And I wanted like do basketball. And they're like, okay, cool. And I, I, so in grade five, that's what it meant to me. Yeah. Because I just knew that like the dresses and all that stuff, it just didn't resonate with me. And yeah. I didn't know how else to explain it. But as I got older, I realized that a hybrid to me means that I really feel like I'm a solid blend of the two. So yes, my even from everything I do, from my mindset to the way I think, talk, act, dress, interact, is very much half quote quote masculine and half quote quote feminine and to me that's exactly what a hybrid is i'm a blend of two things and that was the best way that i could come up to explain it because people always ask me are you a lesbian are you this and i'm like i'm a hybrid you know and i never felt like i had to come out yeah to my parents and shout out my parents for being super supportive and always having my back when i gave them a lot of reasons not to i was definitely a little shit and a troublemaker and I think that that was a way that allowed me to really self-express yeah. myself because I didn't have to do that. Like, I just knew that why do I have to sit my parents down and come out Yeah. if my brother and sister didn't have to sit them down to say, hey, mom, dad, I'm heterosexual. It's so why true. do I have to declare it? And they don't. Like, I just thought that was so strange. So I yeah. just didn't. And even to this day, a lot of my friends, like, I never was like, hey, I'm a lesbian. It was just like, Rhea's dating girls. Awesome. Like, wasn't a conversation. Like, my guy friends, no. Like, one more quick story about Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> Charlie Curtis. Why aren't you here? He usually is. He's probably emotional and upset with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, he's, he's, and he's just such a great support. And we work out together a lot. And one day, we, like, worked out on a Monday and just crushed it. And we were going to work out Tuesday. Um, and we did, like, a little workout. And then we had an event together Wednesday. And so Wednesday night, he's like, man, I'm so sore, my arms. And I literally couldn't let him finish the story. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? And he's like, still trying to tell the story as I'm interrupting. And he's like, yeah, my arms, my thighs. I'm like, wait, excuse me, what? And he's like, I was like, who the hell did you work out with? And he was like, babe, with you yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm on my period. I'm hot. I feel emotional. I thought you were cheating on me. And he was like, oh my God, I love you. And I was like, oh my God, I love you too. But like, they just know. Yeah. Like my guy friends know that. I also have a period, and sometimes they're like, whoa, we forgot that you got that. <laughs> you gotta remind them. It's real. It's, it's so real. real stuff, right? So kudos to the, all my boys for uh, just seeing me for me. I've never yeah. once had to be like, like explain myself. And same with my girlfriends. And so I have like a really solid group of girlfriends, and it's like that allows me to have my feminine side and, you know, go for manis together and have you know, deep spiritual nights and make dinner together. And then I have nights with my boys where it's like we go for dinner and we go to the gym and we have totally different conversations, yeah. but it truly fuels both sides of me and being a hybrid. And it also, what I've noticed is in terms of friends with my men, especially a lot of them are heterosexual, it's allowed us to break down a lot of those barriers. We kiss on the lips, we hold hands, and they're able to be that side with me and and be free in who yeah. they are and know that it's like who cares yeah and I love that I'm able to get that side of them so oh. that's why people are like some people have asked me like oh would you ever like you know um change or become fully a man or anything like that and I'm like absolutely not I love who I am I love how I am and literally I get the best of both worlds 
My guy friends open doors for me. <laughs> they want to pay for my dinner. They go to the gym with me and hold me down. But then it's like I get to have my girls' nights. And it's a different energy. Yeah. But it's, I need both. Wow. It's awesome. So hybrid is a beautiful word. It's a beautiful. A beautiful. It represents so much. Right? Love. It does. Like so much love. It does. And I'm just trying to embody love in every single thing I do. So that I hope that that's what comes out when people meet me, when people hear me speak, when people see me on Instagram. Yeah. Because the one thing that I've also gotten a lot of is people being like, whoa, you're exactly like how you are online. And I'm like, how else would I be? But that's not, that's not always the norm. That's what I You are authentic, realized. which is, I think, why you're going to kill it every single day before. Where can people find you online? Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, you guys that couldn't see, but I'm dancing. dance <laughs> ever. Was it Grease Lightning? Were we dabbing? I don't know. I think it was, in my head I was like, underlay. <laughs> like, the, like the emoji yeah <laughs> this is me um so linkedin raya coach carry uh instagram coach.carry and um yeah those and are the home the address is no i'm just kidding <laughs> only i know that me and charlie show up um, if you want to work out i'm in you know, healthiest hot moments all the way. let's do it i can't believe this is 50 minutes but before i let you go i always ask everybody yep what does healthy as hot mean to you? Good question. It can be a word, <coughs> sentiment, mantra. Hmm. <clears throat> healthy as hot to me means staying true to who I am and treating myself with love and respect so that I can be at my best. And then in part of that, my mantra that I live by, I have three, no stress ever because we always have a choice there's always another way that you can handle what might potentially be causing you stress right um two is lead with love so no matter what's happening like if you're angry and someone did something consider what they might be going through you know when people are like the person at the airport was so rude to me it's like okay well every single person who walks into the airport doesn't even say hi to them perspective right mm. and then three is spread positivity it spreads like fairy dust I know it doesn't look very does. Right? And then, like, that person does something nice yeah. for another person, and that person tells other people about what would happen to them, and then those people do something, and it literally spreads. I'd no longer say spreads like wildfire because I don't like that term, so I say yeah. spreads like fire, fairy dust. I like it. Right? Wildfires are, wildfires are destructive. Are, this is not destructive. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, I'm removing yeah. that term. Yeah. No one's saying it anymore. <laughs> Nobody. Um, this was such a delight. My tummy is full. My heart is full. My heart is full. I got goosebumps at least a dozen times. Sick. And I'm not wearing a bra. Neither am I. This, is how, this is how podcasting needs to happen. A bottle of Perrier. Oh, yeah. our, our virgin tequila sodas. <laughs> we did have the lime, yeah. though. So virgin tequila sodas. No bra. Yeah. Fed. Cheers to you, my love. Cheers. Thank you Thank so you. much. I love you. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm Chloe Wild, and I just want to say a heartfelt thank you for tuning in once again. Really, really appreciate you. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week. <laughs>